means yeah it's me back at you on yet another rainy day my god it's miserable out cold too it's the end of march march 31st a uh, friday afternoon and i'm at um, bluffers park parked in the same place looking out at the water and it's miserable not a day to be out walking and of course I'm not. I'm sitting comfortably this time in the Toyota, not in the road trek. Um, I've just left, uh, dropped John Meadows off at um, Warden Subway Station. Uh, we met for coffee this morning at a Tim Hortons, conveniently located near me. But the reason I like this one, it's it's spacious. There's room for wheelchairs and handicapped people going in. And, and not all Tim Hortons have those features. And uh, so we had a wonderful booth and a wonderful catch-up conversation. It was my first social outing in two months. Uh, I mean, I had uh, people drop by um, during or during PodCamp Toronto, but I hadn't been going out. I've done a few errands, which I'm grateful to be able to do, using my Toyota and putting the walker into the back seat. But today was actually an event, meeting somebody in a place. Now, gosh, I've said that. Of course, that's not true at all. I had my men's group during the week. So maybe that was the first one. But this was, you know, getting together with a friend for a conversation, which uh, I miss. And uh, next time we'll be doing it over beer. We haven't worked that out yet. Still would like to do the only cafe I can... There is a, you know, I've mentioned an elevator at uh, Pape Station. It's just getting home, you know, I, I can't drive and drink beer. and uh, So I haven't quite worked that out, but that will come. But anyway, grateful for what I have done. I was feeling kind of depressed last night and today. Uh, you know, the reality sinking in. Oh, my God, the limits and not being able to walk without a walker. Uh, they're for real. They're not nice. They are for real. Um, and I've, you know, the fact that they're probably not going to wear, going to go away, that they'll be here um, permanently. That's kind of a shocker and uh, and not uh, not a good thing to digest. But anyway, please, I don't want to go on. A negative start or people will shut this off right from the beginning. So um, let's look at what's positive. Positive is I don't have Horner syndrome. Now, I only mention that because the end of the last podcast, I was kind of laughing about the report from my, uh, um, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, the report to do with your sensitivity and touch. There was a, uh, a word for it, and of course I've forgotten that now. 
And uh, it ended with, he does not have Horner syndrome, no signs of it. So Horner syndrome, and I said, I'm going to Google that. Here we go for your interest in case you don't know, is a condition that affects the face and eye on one side of the body. It's caused by the disruption of a nerve pathway from the brain to the head and neck. Now, I have disruptions in my left leg, but fortunately didn't hit the face. Typically, signs and symptoms of Horner syndrome include decreased pupil size, a drooping eyelid, and increased sweating on the affected side of the face. Horner syndrome may be the result of another medical problem, such as a stroke, tumor, or spinal cord injury. In some cases, no underlying cause can be found. There's no specific treatment for Horner syndrome, uh, but treatment for the underlying cause may restore store nerve function. So there you go. All right. Don't have it. Good. All I've got is uh, spinal stenosis, which has impacted the nerve, which is not, which has just impacted my function of my left leg. God damn it. Shut up. Sorry. It's just, I can't get out of this loop. And, uh, I'm just more and more aware of how unpleasant this is for anybody to listen to. Come on, Ken. You used to do a podcast that you tried to engage people. This is not engaging. This is disengaging. I think what I what I was telling John in our face-to-face conversation at Tim Hortons was I'm a little concerned I might get cranky and grumpy and maybe even nasty and he kind of laughed like, aren't you already? And I am i don't think I am. I may some, come across as a bit of a curmudgeon sometimes, but that's not really me. And if I do grumble and complain, it's almost in fun. It's joy-filled complaining and swearing and cursing. But what I'm worried about is being unpleasant around the home, of just being a little bitter, a little grumpy, and man, I really don't want that to happen, and it's something I have to probably keep an eye on. Um, So that I don't let this get to me and and just, you know, it could happen. And there's depression, and I don't need that either. So I'm going to tell you a little story here. Um, I went online uh, through this Nextdoor app, and there was a little group I had joined a year ago called Social Discourse, and I I held out some hope that, oh, there's going to be actual discussions here. And there there were attempts made, but it kind of failed, and and there wasn't really much discussion. It's like like anything else on social media. It's kind of hard to really engage and exchange and and get real things happening. It just doesn't compare to real life. But there was one person who kind of sounded interesting and expressed himself quite well and was looking for a little more, was actually looking to meet somebody for an exchange of sorts. And it caught my interest And I posted that, and then we got feedback. And so we actually began an exchange online to the point where we were suggesting meeting up. And then it went, he said, let's take this private channel, which we did. And I suggested the very Tim Hortons that I met John in today. And he said, well, during the week, I I work. Maybe you could meet me 
closer to where I work, which is way up above Shepherd and kind of North York area, which would be a 20-minute drive each way for me. And I thought, hmm, it made me, it raised the question, why am I doing this? Why am I arranging to meet a stranger, some 20 years younger than me? What is, what is, the, what is the reason for this? Like, why am, I, why am I engaged in this? Do I need another friend? Is it something I want to give him to, hey, you're a lucky guy, you've met me, and I've been to Nigeria, and I've been to Japan, and I'm a pretty interesting guy. Was it that? And I was, I was hoping it wasn't me wanting some sort of fan following, like, oh, wow, gee, lucky me, I met Ken. He's interesting, and I really didn't want to go there. But he was sort of posting as if, hey, I'm an interesting guy. You're lucky to, to meet me. That was sort of the message that seemed to be coming across. So it raised the question to me, why? Why do I really, what's the real reason between me going out of my way to meet for somebody I've never met, don't know anything about, over a cup of coffee somewhere? What's his agenda? And I, I didn't get a sense of that, but I did kind of hesitate and post the question why. I don't feel I got a really good... There were a lot of exchanges between us, but I don't feel I got a real reason from him why he wanted to meet. So that made me think, hmm, is there something else? Is there some message that he feels the need to to share? Is there something going on here? And, and I really didn't know, and I felt bad for questioning, because maybe it's just, no, hey... It's post-COVID. I, let's meet up with some real people and have re- engage in real conversation. That's what I was kind of hoping for. But before committing to driving out and meeting him, I thought, you know what? I do a podcast. Why don't I send him the link to the Dixon Janes podcast and let him decide what, you know, if he wants to actually meet this person? Because this is a pretty real reflection of who I am and what my values are and what it would be like actually sitting across from me, I think anyway. So I sent him the link to the previous podcast. If you're a regular listener, it was the one before this. And uh, it took a few hours later and I got the following message. Hey, Ken, I listened to a couple of your podcasts and I got the sense we wouldn't see eye to eye on enough things such that we'd probably both be better off without the stress. Good idea having these recordings as an intro to who you are, by the way. Cheers and here's to your health. So it ended things right there. And I I really appreciated that. I was really glad he wrote that because he just knew enough about me to that I don't want to be I don't want to be with this guy. So whatever it was about what I did in the last episode, and he said I listened to a couple, uh, with my swearing, my atheism, my uh, childishness sometimes, you know, shrieking and yelling, whatever it was. And I, wanted, I was tempted to ask him, no, no, that's enough. We've ended here. He made the message clear. No, we're, we're, we're different. So I'm, I put that out to you because I think it was an interesting answer. You know, I've got a sense we wouldn't see eye to eye on enough things such that we'd probably both be better off without the stress of our of our differences. So I, I kind of like that. I thought it was a neat little story. It's got closure. 
Uh, maybe you could even turn that into a, a short story. Remember I was doing those stories when I took the writing course. You could make a very small short story about just an exchange between two people ending very quickly with, sorry, <laughs> no, this is this is not going to work. So I still don't know enough about him, what it was, what, what his values were that clicked and and but i'm holding off sort of writing back to just just give me a clue what was it that that tipped you off we wouldn't get along what was it about me but anyway there you go <laughs> and you if you're a regular listener you already know enough about me and and some people have learned long ago enough after just a little bit of listening that no addiction jane's podcast is not for me i've had enough of that scarborough dude speaking of which scarborough dude St. Lawrence Seaway, I just did a little bit of research. I think about it often because it was my father's uh, work, dredging part of, um, I don't know if it was, the the area near Bohonois Valleyfield, where there's a Bohonois locks. Anyway, he was in charge of the dredging, and, and that's what brought him from Sorel to Valleyfield in probably 1949, Online, it says they didn't start the Seaway Project till 54, finished in 58, um, this joint project between America and, and Canada. It is a fascinating story. I mean, it's a huge deal, um, and I find it interesting. But I guess the other thing about it, it is what shaped me. The St. Lawrence Seaway is what made me grow up in Valleyfield until the age of eight. And that big house we lived in, that small town, a lot of the values that I, values, I don't know. Things that shaped me, I think, were that time, those early years in Valleyfield. After that, it was suburbia, Lachine, Point Claire, uh, which, you know, I suppose shaped me too, but not like those early years. So I go back to that, and, and it just raises the question of, Anybody else listening, what was it about your father's work that shaped you, that took him to whatever place where you lived, convenient to his work, that um, impacted your life in what way? Anyway, I, I, I suggest Googling. There's an interesting uh, one by Walter Cronkite, which really maps things out, a very early one, before the seaway was actually completely finished, an early Walter Cronkite um, with little models showing, okay, all the things they had to do along the way. I found it tremendously helpful uh, in terms of just trying to do it. So, boys and girls, I'm going to keep this short. I, I think I've said enough. I'm at. Uh, it's time for me to get home. It's fucking cold again. And uh, I think I left my cat out unless uh, Daniel let her back in. She'll be saying, hey, fuckheads, why am I outside on a wet, rainy day? So uh, there you go. I'm going to go back to listening to more. of. I've, the more I listen, the more I enjoy this. 14 Hidden Gems from the Bootleg Series, 63 to 97, Bob Dylan. Uh, each song is growing on me more and more. Maybe I will include one uh, somewhere uh, with this uh, CD. Dirt Road Blues is fantastic. But all the others, you know, at first listening, I thought, oh, God, I, why did I do that? And now, mm, I don't like having spent $19, but... I'm enjoying this CD, and uh, there you go. Scarborough Dude signing out from Bluffers Park, and uh, I'll try and sound a little cheerier, but uh, bear with me. You know, hey, I'm doing my best, for Christ's sake. Jesus! All right, all right. 
Hey, hang on. Back off, buddy. Back off. Bye-bye. We'll just do one bell to uh, get us started here. Me again. I'm uh, at a little parquet area. I'm looking out at a baseball field. It's called Heron Park. And um, I'm sort of backed onto a Toronto public library. And it's a spot I used to come to when I was too early for church and didn't want to you know, engage with anybody in the parking lot and so on. So I'll just park here. And I think I've probably recorded a few bits of episodes from here uh, in the distant past, long time since I've been here, a long time since I've been to our West Hill United Church. And that's where I'm uh, headed today, this morning. Um, I'm kind of excited to be back. and, And I think I might have already mentioned I had a reason for returning this time. There seems to be some discussion going to be coming up, coming up about, uh, some dissatisfaction, some differences of opinions and so on. And I think it would just be interesting to, uh, hear what others are concerned about. I, it doesn't mean I'm going to be coming back on a regular basis. I don't think so, but who knows? I, I'm open to it. Uh, Greta is back as our minister, the famous United Church atheist minister. Um, we had another one who was a trans minister for a while. Cindy, I never met her. Um, I had already made up my mind about her, and not because she was trans, because of the the way she wrote, and suddenly there seemed to be for... For first year, there seemed to be a lot of holidays and time off and sick leave, uh, and I just I just didn't connect. I felt already quite distanced from the church, but today I'm I'm going in with an open mind, and I'm especially happy. Just I want to give a big smile to Greta and tell her I missed her, which is true. Um, a lot going on in my head today. <sighs> I I struggle sometimes. <laughs> <clears throat> with self-worth, I mean, I'm sure that's come up before. But having the feeling I'm, I'm just not a good person, not a, not a kind person, not a loving person, not a generous person. I, a lot of negatives that I kind of pour on myself. I may be getting clues from other people to send me this way. I'm not sure, but it is a little bit of. I wouldn't go as far as self-loathing because I can bounce out of this. And, and, you know, when I'm with a friend like John the other day, no, I'm fine. He knows I'm a good guy. I know he's a good guy and everything's cool. But there are some times when I'm alone when um, I, I'd like to get a handle on self-love. That thing, you know, even the Buddhists will tell you you have to do before you can love others. You've got to love yourself. And I think to love yourself, you have to forgive yourself. And I think I'm finding that part a little bit hard. Hang on while I open the window. Oh, shush, 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 shush. Come on, come on, come on. What do I have to do? I have to start the car to get the window down? There we go. Um, yeah, so... I don't know. I've been feeling kind of shitty. I'm wanting to do th- something about it and thinking almost that feeling it's too late. All the, all the, if you could rewind the past. And I know some of it is the thing that a lot of people get done in by, and that's Facebook. 
and you see somebody posting pictures, for example, as a happy family, and I can think of just a few examples offhand. I'm not singling out anybody in particular, but anybody who's, you know, puts those pictures up and, and right away, they, oh, why, why isn't my life like that? Maybe, you know, I don't, I don't know. And, of course, this is, you know, I'm doubling down with this because of the fact, well, I couldn't go anyway because I just couldn't, I'm just not mobile. I can couldn't handle walking through Europe or wherever it is these people are. And, again, I, you know, I know this gets very close to sounding like self-pity, and that's not not where I want to go or where I think I'm coming from. So let's uh, let's do a little bit of a reset here. I did what I'd planned to do all along. I like to have little plans for the simplest things in life. The big plans are much harder, and I'll get to that. But the little plans, like, okay, I'm going to go to church. Uh, there's a Burger King on the way. If you use your app, you got a two can dine for seven ninety nine, which I love, and that's two croissants with cheese, sausage, and egg. And they're really good. They're really tasty, especially this soft croissant. They're, they get a little mushy by the time you get them, but they're still good. And then those little tater tot things. And a coffee. So And you get double that, right? So I drove back. I, I told my son, listen, do you want one of these? Yeah, sure. And I drove back to my house after ordering at the drive through dropped his off, and now here I am in uh, this Heron Park area. And I kept both coffees, and I was smart enough. This is down to the detailed planning, you know, (laughs) that makes life hmm, good at times. Order one coffee with cream and one black, because they're going to get cold. And then halfway through the coffee with cream, which is always too much cream, even though I say just one cream, it's always too creamy, you add the black coffee. Now, I'm going to have to do that again, because already that one's cold, so... Hang on while we get this done. Okay, now we're going to top. We're going to pour all the black coffee. There we go. Ooh, oh, now it's, oh, it's the most ugliest, shitty, swampy color. But uh, kind of had to do that. And then you got your bag for your garbage and so on. So anyway, that part was well planned. And then, you know, it'll be time enough to get into the parking lot and get my way in. I'm going in with my walker and I'm I'm bringing an extra cushion to sit on. And I'm going to do like I always did when I when I used to go to church and that's sit in the back. Uh, sit in the back. Uh, I'm just, that was my, when I first joined six years ago, I guess. Uh, no, I, and I'm not really part of this. I'm here to hear Greta, but, uh, no, I, I don't want to be long. And then, you know, over time, wow, made a lot of good friends. So it'll be interesting, the, uh, the different, uh, reactions to different people. Some who will, I'm sure, be quite pleased to see me back. I was a part of that church. I mean, I did things. I brought in guest speakers. I got involved. I helped run the book club. Uh, I was a greeter at the door in the morning. I was always there early and helped people in. And the only thing I wouldn't do is take up the collection. I just absolutely refused. I, I, I think I was forced to do it once uh, on short notice. And even when they'd come up to me and they needed somebody, I'd say, no, 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 I can't do that. I just didn't feel right about going around with a plate and 
Pascal. I just, I just maybe and maybe because I didn't, I never gave a whole lot to that church myself. Um, I mean, I did what was necessary, and I, I did when I got host families. I would give a special bonus to the church to one of their projects, whatever the project was. And uh, of course, when I was a guest speaker and got paid for it, I gave that money back. Anyway, uh, gosh, yeah, I just. I guess I am a bit down about this old present situation. And last night I had a kind of a serious talk with my wife. Maybe I'll get into it a little bit. But just about changes in life. Now I got fucking too cold. Jesus. Um, changes in what we have to prepare for. And the fact that the stuff that I can't help with, mowing the lawn, shoveling, gardening, weeding, anything, that I hardly ever did anyway... She's starting to feel, she's, you know, getting on too. And she doesn't want to carry all that burden. So in other words, we have to think seriously now about um, selling our house and get finding a condo. And I'm almost, almost at the point, I have conflicted feelings. One part of it is, oh, that'd be exciting. Yeah, wow, a whole new start, a whole new life and condo be needed. Man, if you had one with a balcony and, wow, that could really be nice if you get one big enough, you know. I was looking at two bedrooms plus a den. Uh, now, we have a son living with us, and so, oh, how's that going to work, you know? And then knowing that, what does it cost even if you've got a job? People can't afford apartments in Toronto. Like, all your money from your job goes, there's nothing left over after you pay your rent. So, there's a, a thing to take care of somehow, and uh, could he move in with us? And then thinking of the cost, well, if it's in Toronto, even if you sell your house for a high price, your fucking condo's going to cost a lot. And then you got all your condo fees, which could go up depending on how lucky you get in terms of the the condition that the condo, the building's in, you know, and suddenly you got these fees that might jump because it needs to fix a leak in the basement or a roof or whatever, you know. So there's all this way. And then, of course, the thing I harp on all the time. Oh, my God. My stuff. My library of hundreds of books. My hundreds of records. My my shelves full of knickknacks and souvenirs and things from around the world. And my rock collection. And my files from, oh, my God. And those letters. Boxes and boxes of letters. That's the nightmare. And I it, I have to start thinking very soon about getting rid of this stuff before. You can't sort of leave that, okay, bam, we're moving now, we're selling the house, we're buying a condo. Oh, and I got this to deal with. The furniture in our house. We have my parents' furniture from the 1930s still in use. It just, I ended up with it. And... It's good wood. I hate to see that just go to the curbside and be hauled away as junk. If only I could find a woodworker out there who could take this wood and repurpose it. Surely, you know, and so all the stuff. And then you just you just get frozen. You just get, whoa, I, I, I can't even process all that has to be done. And well, you have to, man. So I'm getting these gentle reminders from Naoko. But what's ahead? 
And I guess maybe that's weighing on me too. And part of it is tied into the fact that, hey, you're at the point, the sign is clear, you need a walker now, there may come a point where that's not going to be enough. You know, what's the next step? Wheelchair? Or, you know, dementia? Who, you know, what, what is ahead? You've got to start planning. So it's weighing heavily, to say the least. Um, now, good news, somebody, somebody came knocking on our door and left off a notice about a house on our street that was just a bungalow that sold for, what, a $175,000 over asking. Now, I think they deliberately asked a lower price. Maybe that's why it looked that way. Maybe they got a bidding war. I don't know. But still, you know, so there is, I mean, we'll, financially, that doesn't worry me, that part of it. We'll be able to, we're, it's not that we're, we're selling, we don't have a place to live. But do I want to stay in Toronto? I mentioned Vancouver, and now, of course, I thought, no, why would we do that? It's even more expensive. Um, but I just thought, if you're going to make a change, why not consider even a big change, a huge change, you know? Vancouver? Wow. But it wouldn't be Vancouver. It would have to be, you know, someplace uh, uh, like Surrey. I say that with a little bit of disdain, you know, the way people talk about Scarborough, but, you know, or New West, who knows? Anyway, that's not going to happen. But should we stay in Toronto or should we move out, you know? Places like Port Hope. Oh. Hmm. Anyway, all this is, it's heavy stuff. And it's, it's, I find each day I just, you know, I'm just trying to get by each day. If I have like, okay, I got Wednesday, I've got to get the road track service and I've got to get, uh, and go for, um, my, um, physio. Okay. That's enough. Oh God. That takes care of the whole day. In fact, it does. But I'm not getting at any of these big things. Like take a box of letters down, go through them, decide what you want to keep, what you want to throw out. And I think that maybe bothers me more than anything more than the knickknacks is the letters, handwritten letters going back 50 years, 40 years, 30 years from friends that it's of a time when people took the time to write letters. And you've got this record of details of people's lives and the context, the history, the what they're doing, what they're thinking about, what's going on in life. You know, the stages, it's a, it's a, it's a real history. It's got to be worth value. It's got to be worth something. And I don't know what to do with that. I've asked a few people. I never get a good answer. You know, it's just for some people, just be more space, but you know, should it, does it need to be filed? And are there some that are too personal that I need to go through and, and burn? And I can think of one or two letters, yes, that fit that category. I wouldn't want anybody to read them. Too into, far too intimate. Uh, so this is all weighing very much on me, and and it's it's heavy. And hey, I got to unload. That's why I'm doing the Dixon Jeans podcast. So I'm going to stop there. I'm trying to keep these down to fifteen instead of twenty minute clips. And uh, I got time to kill before going to church, but that's okay. I'll read a book. So Scarborough Dude signing off for now. And uh, stay tuned. And uh, if you got any advice, any thoughts, any feedback, any words of uh, kindness, <laughs> send them my way. Bye for now.
Okay, it's me. Yeah, uh, well, it's Monday. Mondays are never a good day, are they? Even when you're not working. Um, the uh, April 2nd, April 3rd, I don't know, somewhere in there, one of the two. And um, it's the afternoon, almost 3 o'clock. I've just come from the uh, library, my local library, and I didn't find anything I wanted to read. I was looking for Ian Rankin because I just finished a book, and it's a whole series, you know, about 20 books on John Rebus, this detective, and uh, I got hold of one which was a new book, so it was right near the end, maybe, of his career. I thought, oh, it would be fun to go back and read the early ones, you know, and see how the characters developed and changed. And there's nothing there. I found two that were large print. And, oh, my God, you'd go blind reading this large print. Huge fucking things. And I thought, my God, that would be terrible. To... I mean, obviously, it's wonderful for some people, but uh, not for me. No, thank you. And there was nothing else buy them at all. They just don't keep many. So I switched over and looked up John Grisham. Uh, there's a popular guy and picked up a book of short stories. Anyway, uh, I kind of feel I want to make the library a part of my regular, you know, time the living here in Scarborough. Okay, that's a place I go. But there's a lot of teens just hanging out, either skipping school or already dropped out. And they're kind of noisy and they take up the best benches, and I guess they're having fun. It is an area, Markham and Lawrence, which is known for, you know, rough times. It, it hits the newspaper quite often. And uh, so, you know, they're not people you can tell, hey, mind your manners, Sonny. Uh, that wouldn't go over well. Anyway, I, it's just not, to me, it's just not pleasant hearing them in the background and I saw another person working on an essay and went up to the librarian. Can you get the noise down? Can you ask them to be quiet? And uh, the librarian seemed to think there was nothing much she could do about it. So, there you go. Um, I went to church yesterday. I think you know that. I was planning to. And I'm very, very glad uh, that I did. And the reason was because there was going to be a special meeting sorting out some... Issues that I guess had been bothering people. There were a few unresolved issues or things that the board had been involved in, and some of the uh, uh, what do you call them? <laughs> we're not contestants, but the uh, um, people who go to the church, right? Parishioners, uh, the, whatever. Um, they were not happy about it, and so it involved a discussion. It was great because they had two people come from the United Church. Um, who were good at this sort of thing and know all the rules and regulations and legalities of everything to do with the United Church of Canada, uh, but also knew how to sort of mediate and uh, facilitate meetings where there are going to be a lot of uh, emotional uh, issues raised. So they did a wonderful job, and it was worth uh, sticking around for. I did have a raised a question of my own, not to do with the topic at hand, but just sort of need to clear the air um, and I won't get into it without, I have to give the whole backstory and I don't think anybody really cares, but I'm glad I spoke out. Uh, but more important than that, God, it really felt good coming back and seeing so many people I haven't seen in a long time. It's been pre-COVID since I went to the church 
And there's a lot of really nice people. And boy, oh boy, I must have had a dozen really good hugs from people. Ken, it's so nice to see you back. And it was great. And in particular, Scott, who's the church organist, well, pianist, uh, and in charge of the everything else to do with music, and especially Greta. Now, Greta Vosper, you know, you can Google that name. She is the atheist minister who the United Church, somebody in particular, tried to throw her out and... Uh, they failed, and now West Hill uh, is back in good standing within the United Church of Canada. And it was really nice to see her back. And uh, I did, was lucky enough to have one-on-one conversation with her towards the end. And uh, I really valued that, because it's somebody I really do like. And it was quite, it was, it was heartfelt and emotional. I was very close to tears, just being able to look into her face and um, talk to her, ask her how she was doing, and tell her how I was doing, and uh, have that wonderful little exchange. So I'm very, very glad I went back. Uh, I found that even though everybody was mic'd up when they spoke, I found it really hard to... I could hear the volume, but I could not understand the words. And uh, most of the service I missed, unless it was written up on the board... Uh, for the people who are following at home, because now it is a hybrid church. We actually have lots of people who can't attend. They live overseas or somewhere else, Americans, people out west, people from the UK, who are new kind of members. And uh, so they've done a wonderful job of setting up cameras and have a whole team of guys in the back who are arranging when it, you know, what the people at home are going to see and when to change over and what to put on the screen. So it's very well done. Uh, I'm quite impressed with that. But uh, anyway, there's only one thing that really caught my eye, and it was just, it was, there was a lot of talk about the environment. Of course, that's the hot issue now with uh, Greta and with a lot of other people. And um, this little, these words came up on the screen, and it is as follows. Trees are poems that the earth writes upon the sky. Trees are poems that the earth writes upon the sky. And I like that. (laughs) You know, when I was camping, I mean, the past few years, the thing I rave about, I I go camping to, to watch the trees. And I'll sit in my comfortable chair and I'll just look up at the sky, especially after a toke or a gummy or whatever, and just stare at the trees against the sky. And so this this spoke to me, this one. Um, so there you go. I do have one more note. And I guess it's something I got in passing, and it's probably, yeah, maybe it's connected, maybe it's not, but I'm going to read it to you. It is by somebody called John C. Lilly. Now, John Lilly is a man I discovered long ago, maybe even in my university days, uh, he did write, a, I don't know if he wrote The Mind of the Dolphin, but he did a lot of research with Dolphin. Um, he, I think, was the inventor of sensory deprivation tanks. And he would go all out. He would not only get into the tank and, you know, it's sort of body temperature. You're just floating in this liquid and uh, you don't have any sensations coming in, and so your mind starts to wander. I, I went through uh, a psychology experiment at university, and uh, where all my senses were sort of cut off, white noise, masks, hands bound, not allowed to move. And, of course, you start hallucinating over time. Your brain creates images. Well, that's what happens. 
when you're in a sensory deprivation tank. But he would not only do that, he would go all out and do it uh, under the influence of LSD and in particular towards the end, ketamine. So he's a psychologist, a reputable psychologist, but uh, a little bit out there, the kind I like. And um, it's written, like I say, I'm pretty sure it was The Mind of the Dolphin, but the, the other book that I know, the ones I have, are The Center of the Cyclone. And that is about the uh, his experience in the sensory deprivation tanks. Anyway, John Lilly, this is his quote. Presumably, there are energies to which each human is sensitive that we cannot yet detect by means of our instruments. Built into our brains and our bodies are very sensitive, tunable receivers for energies that we do not yet know about in our science, but that each one of us can detect under the proper circumstances and the proper state of mind. We can tune our nervous system and bodies to receive these energies. We can also tune our brains and bodies to transmit these energies. So there you go. If you're into that kind of stuff, uh, Google uh, John Lilly, L-I-L-L-Y, and, uh, you know, play back the thing I just read to you. Because it is, I guess it's, I'm one of the people who are tuned in. I do pick up on certain energies. There's an awful lot of coincidences, synchronicities, Things that happen in my life that, oh, that's interesting. Um, and I have, you know, we've already discussed this. I'm not going to do it now. Oh, i got to take a phone call. Okay, that'll do it. We just need one. Oh, no, I, whoa, sorry. Chicken, not now. I, I've got, we've got to get started here. No, look, I'm sorry. No, I, I, Chicken, stop it! Sorry, I, I, oh, I almost had to wring its neck. Okay, uh, yeah, later. Gee, I'm look, I'm sorry. Oh, it is Thursday. No, Wednesday, uh, April fourth. I think. Yeah, is it? No, it's the fifth. Okay, wrong on two counts. Um. It is rainy again, which is okay, and uh, this was a uh, a big day for me. I'll call it a uh, double-decker day, because I had two things to do. Normally, I like to have just one thing I've got to worry about and fret about. This was two. Uh, starting off at uh, 10 a.m. at Providence Healthcare for my... Uh, um, physiotherapy, and it's quite wonderful in that I have the same person, uh, Nicola, who I had last time I went through this program. This is my third time, and each time I've sort of been a bit progressively worse, and now, of course, it's with the, uh, the walker, and she could see the difference, you know, and, you know, she was quite upfront, which is wonderful, you know, this we can't make it better, but we can we can help you. We can maybe strengthen some of those muscles. There's tremendous weakness in my thigh, my hips, my left leg, and so almost on cue, my knee buckled as, as I was standing up to do something, and she reached out, you know, to grab me. I didn't fall. I corrected myself, but 
I was really glad it happened. So you could say, hey, it's not just me worrying about this might happen. It does happen. And uh, when your knee gives out, it just it sort of goes sideways. I mean, it can just not topple you right over, you know. But anyway, um, she's great. I'll be going back, continuing on, probably an eight-week program. And uh, they'll just give me more exercises to do and maybe strengthen things up and uh, whatnot. Today was sort of a testing, what can I do, what can't I do? Uh, and then I had to get all the way out to Clarendon, which is near, uh, well, near Mossport, where I go for the races, Bowmanville, uh, for the road track to be serviced. Now, I am just so embarrassed that most, you know, I would say 90% at least of road track owners do their own winterizing, dewinterizing, winterizing, adding the antifreeze and so on and you know, there's a procedure to it. And then dewinterizing, even easier, you're just flushing out, draining the tanks, flushing water in to flush out any traces of the antifreeze. But it's all about knowing which levers to turn which way. And there is a hot water tank and there are bypasses. And the way I've explained my brain works or doesn't work, Little things like this, which direction does the lever go to show open or close? Simple to your average human being. I just don't happen to be your average human being. And so I, I can't do it. And now, of course, when they when I paid, it came to $122.04 for basically a guy opening and closing taps and flushing some water through. And, and I mean... Now it's ready for summer. I can I can flush the toilet. I can have running water. I never drink the water, but it is nice to have a tap and dishwasher. You know, I could I could get by with leaving this thing permanently winterized and never use the running water, but that's kind of stupid. So anyway, I pay the price, and it's just something that comes. And now even more than before, I can't be get under the damn thing and reaching for levers and stuff. So. That's just the way it is. Not going to whine about that. The nice thing is, it's like a 40-minute drive there and a 40-minute drive back, mainly on the 401, and the traffic is easy because you're going not into the city, you're going the opposite direction and coming home. When there's a big lineup of people heading uh, uh, east toward Ajax, I'm just sailing along right back into Toronto, Scarborough. And, of course, I bypass Scarborough is east, so you don't even do with Toronto traffic. Anyway... It's done. Now I just have to find out which is the valve for the fresh water tank. Where is it? And close it so that I can fill. So otherwise, if I fill the tank, it's just going to be dripping into the driveway, which happened last time because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I opened it up. I looked at the little box, the compartment with all the valves. And I couldn't see, you know, I mean, and I've got the manual telling you how to do it yourself. And it, it still doesn't make sense. I, you know, I mean, I know this sounds pretty pitiful, but it's just, it's just, it's not fucking me. I can't do it. All right. Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, that's me yelling at me. Not you. No, you didn't do anything wrong. It's me yelling at me. Leave yourself alone, Ken. Quit, you know, accept your limitations. Speaking of which... When I went to the uh, Providence today and met uh, Nicola again, I was kind of, I was depressed when I arrived because the depression is, 
you're here not because you do so well and they want you back and you want another turn. You're here because this is a sign of further deterioration within your spine and the nerves that are impacted by the spinal stenosis. You're here because you are way worse off than you were the last time you went through this program, maybe a few years ago. Uh, there is deterioration. You you now, you can't rely on a cane to get around. You need a fucking four-wheel stroller. So that reminder is kind of unpleasant. And I got really kind of close to tears a little bit, you know. And being a guy, I don't cry. Being a guy, I don't cry. Being a guy, I don't cry. Being a guy, I try not to cry. But I was really close, and I noticed the thing is, when I'm around like health people, like the dentist or a doctor, is when I can allow myself to almost let go. I don't, but I would never do it with a friend. I would never cry to a friend, oh, poor me, I can't walk anymore, and I can't get my favorite table in the only cafe and drink beer with my friends because I can't ride the TTC. I can't do that. I would be ashamed. I'd be embarrassed. I'd be humiliated. So I would never cry in front of a friend. I wouldn't cry in front of my wife because she deals with people old and dying every day of the week. And I just don't want her to be a constant reminder, oh, look at your husband. What's happened to him? Holy fuck. Um... I just don't want to, I don't want at all. I want, I, you know, stiff upper lip and more than that, not just stiff upper lip, but hey, you're okay. You can manage. You're doing all right. No problem. Yeah, no, I'm fine. Thanks. I don't need help. No problem. Um, so there's that. And of course, I wouldn't want to cry in front of my children. And this, it was for joy. And how often does, <laughs> how often does that happen, eh? So there you go. There's the update on uh, why why guys don't cry. But I, you know, I've been close to it. Going to the dentist, knowing I've got you know five thousand dollars worth of work that should be done, which I'm refusing to do because I just don't have that money and it's ridiculous and I can't afford it and don't want to mortgage my house to pay for the fucking dentist. Um, you know, there you got a little. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm sorry I was a little rude to you, Becky. Yeah, I know, I know. But it's just, no, it wasn't your turn, okay? Okay, thank you. He's understanding. Uh, so I got things to do. Now, I'm supposed to be meeting um, the lovely Lisa and John, but not at the only cafe, which is where I'd like to meet them on Saturday afternoon, but instead at a Tim Hortons near me to drink coffee. Who wants to do that? So I, we planned it. I, I, we, you know, we've arranged it. And now suddenly I realize, oh my gosh, my niece is hosting an Easter dinner on Sunday. I should really drive to Ottawa, Kempville area, Nepean, you know, see my sister, my brother, my niece, the, that part of my family. And yeah, that's kind of what I should do. So I got to sort that out. So there'll be a change of plans, which is, it's time. And what I'll do is I'll take Sal. So then I visit, if I visit my niece and we, usually we, there is some beer involved with my nephew-in-law. 
Um, he's great. He's I've talked about him before, Oliver, Ollie. Um, he and I will get into a few beer and some good conversation. Very, very different. Lots of you know uh, differences of opinion, but lots of um, lots of fun. Good engagement. Good exchanges over beer into the night. So that maybe is what I'll do. But I guess that doesn't concern you. What I'm doing now is I'm finishing off this prog- this project, this podcast. Because it's Wednesday, tomorrow's Thursday, I'll put it out tomorrow, and I'm just going to ramble on a little bit now on some of the things I have notes for. Guess what? Finland joined NATO April 4th. That's good news. I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. I'm happy about that. Finland joins NATO, officially. Um, we are having a mayor's election. John, our, our, you know, John Tory resigned because he had an affair and it was somebody he worked with and, you know, it was just improprieties and he just took the high road and resigned. But what it's done is left, there's about 30 people running for the next mayor of Toronto. And what's going to happen is somebody who's not going to get many votes at all, it'll be so many split votes, that somebody with very little support is probably going to have just enough to become the next mayor of Toronto. Now, okay, that's bad enough. <clears throat> Toronto's in a mess. We're in the hole. We need money from the feds, money from the province. We're not getting it. I say we, but because, you know, if we don't, taxes go up again. TTC is in desperate need of money. Uh, so this, the, the city is really a mess. It hasn't fully recovered from COVID. Lots of money was spent then with, you know, special needs and so on anyway. So every mayor is promising. And the biggest issue, of course, the thing that's top of the, all the stories, what are you going to do about violence on the TTC? It's one thing to have shootings in the streets, and it's usually gang-affiliated, and it's some plaza here in North York, some plaza in Scarborough, some place in Brampton. It's all the shootings, and uh, very often, so, well, sadly, sometimes just totally innocent people. But what seems to really be getting to people is that there are random acts of violence by loonies, we'll just put it that way, people who are desperate, probably homeless, uh, out of their minds, strung out, angry, who ride the TTC? Because it's warm and it's safe, well, safe for them. They got the knives. Um, But innocent people, like one poor 16-year-old kid sitting on a bench minding his own business at Keel Subway Station, and he's stabbed to death. A wonderful little kid from all accounts. He met his parents. Parents, instead of just being angered, hang the guy and kill him, bring back, you know, capital punishment, was pointing out there are a lot of people in need of a lot of help, and they're not getting that help. <coughs> so, anyway, it's it's a big deal. What are you going to do? How are you going to make the TTC safe? And is it more police? No, it's not the answer because the issue is homelessness, mental health, all the things that a province should be funding. But we have a province of a conservative leader called Rob Ford. Fuck him. He doesn't care. He's about building highways, business. Toronto, open for, or Ontario, open for business. Fuck you, Toronto, because you guys didn't vote for me, but all the people all around, all the conservative little towns and so on will. We love Doug Ford because he's for the people. He's an average guy, you know? Bullshit. He's only looking after the rich. So, here's the problem. Right? First of all, 
apathy. People didn't vote. Very, very small percentage of people voted last time. People aren't getting out. They're not, you know, and nobody's even going to fucking care about the next mayor, even though it will have an impact. Because Rob Ford gets out there and says, hey, you guys, if there's a lefty, there's going to be trouble. Basically, he has said this out loud. If you, if Toronto votes in a left-leaning mayor, you guys are screwed. You're in trouble. And then he goes on, if Toronto votes for somebody who wants to defund the police, and he just means cut their budget or anything, you know, maybe take some of that money out there and hire a few more social workers, which would be more important than cops on the beat patrolling the subways, (coughs) get help for these people. He says, you vote for that kind of person, you are really screwed. So basically he's pulling almost a Donald Trump. He's, you know, cut from the same cloth. And that's really disgusting that the premier of the of the province is putting a lot of pressure on who's going to be. So you got a few people, those kind of people who are saying, "Hey, I get along with Doug Ford. I'll, I'll be all I get along well with the province. You know, we'll vote for me because Doug will help us if I'm there. Not if you vote for that left leaning guy." Like Josh Matlow. Oh, my God. Anyway, if you're not in Toronto, you don't care. But um, these are important issues. This is, you know, your local level government. Mayor of a city like Toronto, wow, that does carry a lot of weight. It is important. So, anyway, I just don't like the fact that uh, we have a premier who is uh, putting his thumb on the scale. Uh, Now, the Soulange Canal... I say that because I just love the sound of it. And it's because it's a word I grew up with from my childhood. I can remember, you know, driving. Maybe I, even I know I've seen a freighter going down the Solange Canal. And this is before the St. Lawrence Seaway was opened in 58, 59. And they still, smaller ships could still use the Solange Canal before the free the seaway was opened. So... What's that mean to you? Nothing, but it's just that growing up in Valleyfield, and we were in Valleyfield because, you know, the dredging needed to be done for the Bahornois Canal, which is why my father's company got the contract, and that's why we moved from Sorel to Valleyfield, 1949. Changed the shape of my life from then on. Uh, so those little words, Valleyfield, Bahornois, Coteau Landing, these... These sounds, these French names, they they mean, they resonate with me. They feel good. They feel those words are part of my life. So I'm just going to read a little bit from uh, the Solange Canal. The Solange Canal is an abandoned shipping canal in Quebec, Canada. It follows the north shore of the St. Lawrence River between Pointe de Cascade and Coteau Landing, bypassing the rapids between Lake St. Louis and Lake St. Francis. In between, it passes through the towns of Les Cedres and Coteau du Lac. It superseded the first Bohornois Canal, which was on the south shore of the St. Lawrence. It is 23 kilometers long and had a 4.3 meter draft. So there you go. That is your history lesson on the Solange Canal. Now, this is a canal that's still there, and so boats can still use it, but kids can swim in it. If you drive along the Solange Canal, which I have done, and I think I've even recorded from this podcast, uh, and I just can't wait to get back there again and just do another tour of Valleyfield, Bohornois, 
Koto Landing and see these places in the Solange Canal again. Because uh, it's, it's, it's my roots. It's my roots. All right. Well, that's all there is for notes. We've got 18 minutes going. Maybe I won't finish this now. What do you think? Well, what do you have? What, what would you like to tell the people? Be kind to everybody. Yes, I agree with that. What about the people who dress up in ladies' clothes and put on makeup and sing songs and dance? What, what about those people? Should we like those people too? Oh, oh, right. Whoa. That is a resounding yes. Is it okay if people call them names and throw things at them? No. You're right on that one, too. It's a shame, isn't it, that some people just seem to think that these people, they call them drag performers, that those people should be. Yeah, yeah, I know that those people are, should be, they're, they're a threat to little children because they'll make children weird. Is that true? No, it's absolutely not true. I agree. I agree, chicken. That is not true. These people don't cause any harm, and it's really sad that so many people are so fucking ignorant. Yes, so fucking ignorant. And we can say that's happening largely south of our border, but it's happening here too. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, I know. It makes me angry. And that's why we vote in stupid politicians and people who just don't know. And it's really sad. But all right, anyway, let's just stop there and uh, get on. I've got to get my four-wheeler out of the road track. And then I've got to decide. I've got to talk to my sister, talk to my niece, talk to my brother, talk to the lovely Lisa and John and sort of say, sorry guys, I think I'm going to have to cancel and uh, see what we can do this weekend. Skybird dude! Oh, I'm by the way, I'm in my driveway. I, I It's only this 40 minute run. I figured just get in the car, drive home, talk to them from your driveway. You don't need to go to another fucking park. You're quite comfortable here in your driveway, in your road trek. And uh, ready for your next adventure. All you have to do is find out where is that fucking lever for the fresh water tank. And I guess if it's in one direction, pull it in the other direction. But just make sure you got the right lever. Because there's a whole bunch of them, I got to tell you. Scarbo Dude, signing off. Chicken, thank you. All right, bye for now. Oh.